So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See Jared.com slash price match for details. Log Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rigo Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and I have here with me Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm fantastic, Rick. You still sound like a radio show host. Oh, I I don't know. It's a birth defect, I think. <laughs> I came this way. Did you? That's what I do. Fun. Um, so we have an exciting and, and, and special edition of our show tonight, uh, and we're not going to fiddle around much before we get to it. I do want to give a shout-out to everyone that's uh, in the chat room, uh, to all the guests that are listed. We know you can't type back, but we still want to say things like, we love you and, and all that. Um, and we've got Ann, David, Grandma. We've got lots of folks in there tonight, so it's fantastic. And uh, uh, Jean, you want to shout-out to our friends and family at Inner Child? Well, absolutely. Shout out to our friends and family and inner child, um, to the inner child family, as usual. We love you. We adore you. We thank you for all your loving kindness, support. Um, that's uh, innerchild.ning.com. Basically, they are a great place to hang if you're a wayward, creative spirit. They are best known for embracing people for who they are and helping to empower them to appreciate the light within. So if you're looking for a home, it's innerchild.ning.com. And, well, Excellent, folks. Excellent stuff. And uh, they're having a neat contest right now, so just briefly to tell you about it. It's called the World Healing World Poetry 2012 Contest. And their website is also at World Healing World Peace 2012.yolosite.com. And I'll get that up in the uh, chat room for you. Um, fantastic contest. Three big winners are going to get uh, a book of their poetry published, literal physical book in your hand, as well as ebook. Um, cover design, distribution. You're going to be on, uh, last count, it was eight or nine different radio shows. Um, just a fantastic package that. Uh, uh, we've helped put together with uh, our family over there, so uh, we hope to get some great submissions. They're coming in from around the world, so mm-hmm. have a look for at world, the website. It, it, it's for world healing and world peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how can you go wrong there? You can't go wrong there. Absolutely not. And we know it's the holiday time, but it's the end of this month is the deadline. So poets out there, get your words in. We'd like to see them. Absolutely. So without further ado, perhaps we should uh, – are you having an echo effect? Uh, Grandma says she's having an echo effect. Yeah, uh, someone else other... asked. 
but a couple other folks said that they're not having the problem. So. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye on the chat room, guys. If um, if you're still hearing an echo, let us know, and Rick will play. And you can try... Uh, Refreshing. Also, yeah, pressing F5 or reload. Uh, sometimes that'll cure sound problems. Absolutely. All right, well, tonight is all about a fellow that is with us. His name is Daryl Anka. Uh, he's done a lot of fantastic things. A lot of us have followed him from one side or the other, and I did not know when I first uh, was seeing his work with Bashar that he actually had uh, a great career in the movie industry and uh, and is now has his first movie produced, directed, and written. Uh, and uh, so we're going to hear all about that. Daryl, how are you tonight? I'm excellent. How are you? Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So, Daryl, it's usually my job to ask the first um, first hard-hitting question. But I'm okay. not going to do that tonight because the first question is usually, who the hell are you and what do you do? And uh, I think pretty much everybody knows <laughs> who you are. Um, so I'm going to ask um, I'm going to ask a different question. Okay. How's that production thing going? I saw the trailer and I'm absolutely in love with the concept of this film. So I want to talk about that like right away because it right. looks to me to be one of the coolest things. All right. Well, maybe uh, for those that don't know, let me give just a brief introduction as to what the film is that we've just created. Um, it is, as you said, the first film that I've written, produced, and directed uh, through our production company, Zia Films. The film is called Dearly Departed, and it's a fictional documentary, as if we took a camera into the afterlife and interviewed the spirits of people who've passed on to get their take on life after death. Um, a lot of it is not literally um, based on, but loosely based on the idea of reports uh, from near-death experiences about what people have uh, reported seeing um, on the other side of the afterlife. And we thought that instead of just doing a, a relatively straightforward or dry documentary, we would do a fictional documentary as if we were interviewing people on the other side so that we could also get the emotional factor in, um, get some characters in there and and really explore with them the whole idea of of the possibility of what happens after we die and also explore the possibilities of what's available to us here while we're still alive and what kind of changes we may wish to make uh, to our lives before we die. So it's a, it was a very, very uh, fun project, and it's now in post-production. We hope to be finished with it sometime in the early part of this next year, and uh, we'll be talking to various distributors to see when we can get the movie out to a theater near you. It sounds like, well, I, I, like I said, I've seen the trailer. I absolutely love the trailer. Um, where did you originally come up with the concept? And there's, I know there's a lot of mystery in the public about the whole making of the film process. Because when I started getting into making films, it, my head just almost exploded from the overwhelming amount of behind-the-scenes work that actually goes into it. So do you mind telling us a little bit about the process um, you know, from conception of idea to getting the team together to actually getting this on film and and getting it out to the public? No, not at all. 
Um, it's been quite an education, quite a learning curve. Um, <clears throat> the inspiration, as I sort of hinted at, came from reading books uh, of reports on near-death experiences, and I just kind of thought that the information was fascinating, but uh, like I said, I wanted to present it in kind of a novel way rather than just a straightforward documentary because I'd seen those. And um, so we just came up with the idea of like, well, you know, documentaries usually interview people uh, on the subject of the documentary, and I just thought, well, why not? Why not uh, shoot the movie as if we could literally interview people who who have died, and see what the uh, other side is all about, and where they're going, what they've planned, uh, what they've learned, who they left behind, uh, what they would have changed in their lives if they had had the chance, and so on and so forth. So that was that was really kind of the the germination of the seed of the idea. Um, and even though we had never um, written, produced, and directed a film on our own before. I have uh, worked in the film industry for the past 30 years in special effects, miniatures, design, sets, storyboards, uh, and I've also been writing uh, scripts for several years. I've had one script uh, produced and a couple of other scripts optioned, and it just felt like it was time for us to you know, really begin functioning as a production company ourselves. And, of course, the, the best way to function as a production company is to produce something. So, you know, we um, had at least some idea of, of how to proceed. And, of course, it all starts with the script. Uh, and once that was written, um, we started looking around for ways to accomplish it uh, with a minimal amount of funds. We were fortunate enough to attract uh, several investors who were very interested in the subject, who were willing to join us and partner with us uh, in getting the film done. But we did this very, very low budget on a very streamlined crew uh, over a period of several months. Uh, my brother and I actually built all the sets ourselves, um, and we shot on weekends and uh, did it until we got the job done. And uh, you know, edited on uh, computers and Final Cut, and um, now it's in the hands of several post-production houses to do the the work that we can't do, such as um, you know, music and visual effects and and things like that. But um, the process, like I said, has been extremely educational. Um, I'm actually going to be writing a, a book about the behind-the-scenes process of how we made the movie and what all the challenges were that we faced in doing so um, in the hopes that other people making low-budget films can learn from the things that happened to us and uh, maybe help other people go through the same process a little bit more smoothly. Well, that's wow. awesome. Yeah, wish I had that book three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Well, I'll Jean, tell you what. Oh. Jean, Jean kind of walked into the middle of something that was operating by the seat of its pants when she got there, and I think she knew as much about movie production as I do. Not much. Um, they do that before it comes to the theater. <laughs> right, right. Actually, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't walk into it, though. I actually was part of the birth of the, the thing, and, I, you know, given the fact that we were all, um, except for our director, who was in the film industry and our film crew that we found in the Philippines, um, I we we had no idea how to go about making a film. I think we did smashing well. 
<laughs> given that we had no idea what we were doing at the time. And oh, we were fantastically just, well. well. I but, think I think uh, that's the best way actually to learn to make a movie is to make a movie. There's really no is and no substitute for experience. It really, yeah, because we're we're about to do we're about to launch another one. Um, actually, we have already launched another film project, documentary project, and I'm telling you, no, now looking back over the last three years and being able to see what I've done and what doesn't work and what does work, um, yeah, it's making this so much more smooth. Yeah, your book's going to be a blessing to a lot of people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm I looking forward so. to reading that actually. I hope so, because yeah, we, we faced many many challenges and and. I would definitely uh, love to do anything I can to help other people avoid the same pitfalls. But, you know, we persevered, we got through them, and uh, they became great, great learning experiences. So you managed to pull this off on a really low budget, which is really cool because uh, people, you know, might be surprised at how much money it takes even to make a short a short independent film, even if it's documentary, it's a ridiculous amount of money usually that it takes. Were you able to get a lot of people to come on board and just volunteer their time and their energy and their their being and put it into the project? Um, in, in general, yes, although we actually did pay everyone. Um, but, uh, again, it wasn't much. Uh, I suppose in some senses it was next to nothing. But uh, <clears throat> we were just of the feeling that, you know, at least giving people something uh, would at least you know demonstrate that we're honoring the the skills that they're bringing, and um, you know I probably for the most part you know we we certainly uh, paid them in the sense that we fed everyone, uh, which is really in some ways more important sometimes than than getting a paycheck is to make sure that people are are getting taken care of, getting a good meal, uh, and you know that the set was uh, at all times relaxed and a fun place to be. Um, and that we really appreciated all the uh, skills that people were were bringing to bear to uh, make the project happen. So what's your favorite part about the filmmaking process? Um, I really am very happy when I'm involved in a lot of different things, uh, which is one of the reasons why I really enjoy directing, because you have to be uh, deeply involved in every aspect of making the movie. Um, but because also of my own background uh, in effects and design, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to know how to do a lot of those aspects of the film as well. Not that I always will want to choose to do that, but it, it helps to certainly have some experience in a variety of, of areas of filmmaking, because even if I don't do them myself, I certainly have a, a, an understanding of what needs to be done. And that way, as a producer, I can... I can more readily uh, keep my finger on the pulse of what other people that I've hired uh, might be doing. And uh, it gives me a little bit more of an ability to understand the, the whole picture, the big picture or the vision of the project and guide it uh, you know, to where I believe it needs to go. So you, you work with a really small core team. Um, yeah. You said you did the project with your brother. Uh, my brother was one of the team. My wife is also uh, a producer on the movie. We hired a director of photography, um, uh, sound people, and uh, makeup people, um, um, post-production people. We're working with uh, a person to compose music, a person to do color correction, visual effects, and sound. Uh, and that's about it. 
Um, it's a very, very streamlined, uh, minimized team, but it was exactly all the departments that we knew we needed to have someone in and uh, to get the job done. Uh, it must have been a a, a big adventure because uh, I know, at least it seems, large productions like that, in, like you've worked on in, in Hollywood, are probably so big that that very few people see the whole process outside of the producer and director, and um, because because they just seem so large. I mean, miniatures and models, and that that yeah. would be quite time consuming, and and uh, uh, it but a lot, it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it yeah, it is. I mean, it was a lot of hard work. Like I said, it, it's you know we had to do it in such a way that uh, I mean the the thing that we're proud of is that the film looks great, and it it's going to look like it cost way more than it did because of the things like the sets and some of the visual effects and uh, <clears throat> elements like that. I mean, the, uh, for example, you know, we basically rented out a 15 by 30 office space as our sound stage, and we actually built a soundproof wall to minimize the sound that was coming in. But my brother and I basically spent the week uh, building one set, then we'd shoot on Saturday, then we'd tear the set down and build another set the next week and then shoot on Saturday and do the same thing over and over and over again for three and a half months. So we have, you know, over 25 actors in this movie. We have uh, about as many sets. Um, we have over 550 visual effects shots in the movie. But uh, So it's quite an undertaking for a low-budget movie, but it was really just a matter of planning everything out uh, as best as we could and just methodically doing what we needed to do one thing after another until we got it done. And and having seen the trailer, I have to say it it uh, it certainly does look like a full-fledged expensive production to me. And um uh well, and the good. sets, you. makeup <laughs> and, and well, I I would have never imagined that, you know, y'all built sets and shot on the weekends and uh um, yeah, I think people are going to be amazed when they see some of the behind-the-scenes shots in the book and, and uh, later on because they're going, to, they're going to realize that many times we had, you know, one set on one wall and another set on another wall that were probably about 10 feet apart, but you can't tell that when uh, when you're actually shooting the set and it's all lit and the actor is performing. You think you're on some massive soundstage somewhere, but... Uh, Many of the sets are just uh, the same wall where we tore the old set out and put the new set in, uh, and it's, like I said, about maybe not even five feet from the set behind us, and if we were to move the camera literally sometimes um, an inch to the right or an inch to the left, uh, we would actually be off the set, and you would see you know, the rest of the office or the rest of the other sets or something like that. So it was very tight and very well planned. We only built exactly what we needed, and not one foot more, uh, and that way we were able to maximize the the benefit of appearing to have a much larger production while keeping our costs down. Yeah, it just uh, all the way around sounds like uh, sounds like genius. I was enthralled by the idea when I first saw it, uh, and uh, uh, posted it was a post about your uh, Kickstarter campaign, which. Mm -hmm. uh, that that seemed like an interesting story to me that that you didn't quite get there on the Kickstarter campaign, but before it was right, you know, perhaps even because it was there, 
someone just stepped forward and or some investors stepped forward and you but it was provided for but yes, you took exactly. the you know uh the action that you could and then it and then it happened we've had a few synchronicities like that ourselves and it's really cool <laughs> when they happen yeah that that sort of brings us to the metaphysical side because that's exactly what we did you know we we followed our excitement to the best of our ability and even though it didn't turn out the way we expected the synchronicity is that it attracted what we did need and uh, allowed us to do what we needed to do so yeah we were very very happy that uh, that worked as a perfect example of of acting on your excitement with no real expectation but uh, everything working out so just um, out of curiosity from an author's perspective, are you going to incorporate that into the book as well? Um, just because it's such an interesting element to the making of a film or actually any any large project is to just oh, take absolutely. a step back and go, okay, I, ex- I expect the universe is going to bring me exactly what I need, and then to be able to document that process. Um, absolutely, of, because of that happens throughout the making of the movie. I mean, really, the the truth is is that we actually started filming this movie once and actually found that uh, one of our initial investors a long time ago uh, was not able to deliver the money that they had promised. So we actually had to stop production, and it took us a while before we would raise the rest of the money to actually start the production again. But we found out that when that happened, um, in terms of the the actors that we had cast in a couple of the roles in the initial shoot, um, we actually were not able to get them back for the second time we started shooting. But the actors we got to replace them for the second time were actually much more appropriate for the role. So again, it's like every time something happened that seemed to be an obstacle, it really just turned out to be a, a challenge that was in our favor and always every single time resulted in something making the film even better than we had imagined. So that happened all the way through the filmmaking. And um, it's absolutely part of the story of of the behind-the-scenes making of the movie. And I think it's a very important point uh, to, to add because uh, when you're making a low-budget movie, in a lot of ways you really have to rely uh, on synchronicity and uh, on following your excitement to bring you the things that uh, are necessary to get the film done because you're working with almost nothing. So you've got to really rely on on abundance coming to you in a number of different forms. Absolutely. We, we talk very often here at Everyday Connection about, look, you, you, you've got the idea, you've got the pull, take a step. Just go. Absolutely. It'll... It'll happen the way it's supposed to happen, and uh, uh, I think that's a missing ingredient—not just the get up and go, but uh, the allowance of you know. Okay, I plan to do it this way, but as long as it gets done, I'm not really caring how much, how you know, as long as it's yeah ethical, whatever. Uh, exactly, of course. And nowadays, with regard to the way the equipment is, I mean, there's almost no excuse not to be able to make a movie because I mean we bought um you know the new the new cameras that exist now uh are relatively inexpensive but produce very high quality images and you know you have uh final cut pro on your computer and all these different tools that are now available to people to make a movie I mean, really, in terms of equipment costs, I don't think we really spent more than just a few thousand dollars. Uh, so, 
you know, it's really very, very doable at this point to make a feature-length film. If you have a simple idea uh, that can be executed well, then uh, absolutely go for it. Yeah, it's, it seems to me just from the little bit of video editing I've done and, and, and playing with some short videos we put up on the net, um, that it, it, it's almost like if you went back and looked at Star Trek, the original series, you've got access to better equipment and effects almost now for a very small budget than they did that whole thing with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's, I mean, they amazing. have big sound stages, yeah. but... Yeah, no, it's amazing what you can do now. Yeah, so there's really no reason to hold back on a creative idea like that. It's really it's really quite accessible for just about anyone to be able to make a movie. I think um, also an element to that accessibility is our communication abilities now as well. I mean, I know a lot of a lot of the people who have jumped on board in the last couple of weeks with our project are people from around the world. It's it's turning into an insane global um, project of just, you know, the birth of a bunch of really big-hearted souls. And it's incredible to watch people using their individual talents and skills from, you know, various countries and various continents even and come together on one project. I think that's the most exciting thing to me about the times that we're living in right now. Right, a lot of those barriers don't exist anymore, and you can really pull uh, on talented people from all over the world to do a number of things, and then it works in the other direction as well with you know the Internet and uh, all sorts of other social media sites. Now you have a, a fantastic opportunity for incredible viral marketing campaigns to get the word out about your movies and films that didn't exist uh, you know, even 10 years ago, <laughs> so... It's a really fantastic opportunity to to give, find people to help you do projects and to also let people know that projects exist that they might be interested in seeing. Exciting times. Yeah. Exciting yeah. times. It's, well, it, it's, um, I think, ideas that might not have made it through the vetting process that goes on with big productions. Uh, you know, it, it seems to me any group that, that, regardless of how they started off, if you become this huge, monstrous corporate entity that's in Hollywood, um, it gets so impersonal and formulaic, and 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 ideas. I think ideas like ours would never make it. And yeah. uh, um, well, that's what's great. You're seeing such a rise of independent filmmaking now. Um, I mean, really, Hollywood in many ways, just to use the term in general is is so split now into really all that's really being produced for the most part with very few exceptions are very very large blockbusters and relatively small independent movies so it's a it's a wonderful time for independent filmmakers to to uh get their voice heard get their projects out there because people are really looking for interesting content and wonderful stories and that's really the bottom line is if you've got a really good story and you're able to tell it well, um, I think you'll find that there is an audience for that. It also, to me, opens up an opportunity for our youth to be able to explore um, that element of creation as well, because they're not they're not stuck behind this 
expectation that they have in education in the film industry in order to be able to create something that people can appreciate. And I'm really fascinated by watching some of the youth um, around the world and some of the stuff that they're coming out with now, the quality of it and the thought and the attention to detail that goes into some of these young people's creations is just, to me, absolutely stunning. Yeah, it is. so exciting. It is. It's very exciting to watch. There's a lot of natural storytellers out there that now have the tools to tell their stories. Absolutely. We went from being able to tell your story because there was always a campfire or a pub or something somewhere that, you know, there was no TV, radio, or anything, so they were happy to have a little entertainment. To mm-hmm. you can't break in because you've got to be big. To <laughs> now it's wide open again. <laughs> right. The pendulum right. swings, I suppose. Exactly. So I'm thinking it's uh, time for a little music. We'll take a short break, um, okay. and then good. we'll come back and we'll talk about that other element of your life that I'm sure people in the chat room are wanting to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, they are. And um, uh, and it's got to be a legitimate topic because, um, I think, because at least, you know, for me, that side of life is just a side of life. It's not a different part. Or, uh, well, But but I, it, it, it it's also interesting, and we're going to at least question perhaps about it, that... Uh, uh, you seem to have done a great job of having sort of two separate parallel tracks going on at once. So that's that's what I want to hear about. So we're going to hear about All some right. cool stuff when we come back. Uh, what do you want? What do you want to hear, Gene? What, uh, what, what do we got? We want, well, we got hang players, of course. We have Dana Harmon. We have uh, uh, Matthews. We have uh, Jordan Okern. We have of course. Jordan. Oh, let's, we have let's Jordan. Let's play some Jordan because um, we're going to talk about Jordan at the end of the show. So let's okay. let's play a little Jordan. How about yes, we'll so. play uh, Jordan's song anyhow? Jordan Okrand, good friend of ours, and we'll be right back. Stay with us, folks. Strength inside 
like a little Jordan Oakland. We like us a little Jordan Oakland. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, we've we've already had someone who came in late that went right to the heart of the question, is Bashar going to be channeling tonight? I got here late and his answer probably not. not really wasn't in the plan, you know. He gets to do, Bashar gets to live his life and do what he wants to do, so, you know. Uh, I don't think he sneaks up on Daryl the way that George sneaks up on Jane. But um, sneaks up on George never leaves. But it is the uh, it is the white elephant in the room, I suppose. Uh, I appreciate your uh, uh, chatting with us about your movie because it's just to me exciting and uh, uh, looking forward to seeing it. But um, thank you. I think most of Bashar's fans by this point have heard the story of how you and Bashar began working together. Uh, uh, I would love to hear just a tad more perhaps about these two broad daylight up close with people with you uh, sightings. Um, I have been a Star Trek fan, UFO nut, science nut geek for many, many years and, uh, have not seen anything uh, that I'm aware of, but uh, so how was that? Was that that first one? Did that just like freak you smooth out or what? Well, it was definitely shocking, um, eye-opening because it was so close, so broad daylight, so blatant. Uh, both of them were, both of the sightings were, and the sightings were only a week apart, uh, which was even more startling. So <clears throat> seeing this, you know equilateral triangular craft floating about 150 feet up the first time and about only 70 feet up the second time was something that completely shifted my world. I mean, I always, before that, heard UFO stories and I thought, okay, maybe something like that might be possible. But once you actually lay your eyes on something like that and you know for a fact that such things exist and you no longer are believing but knowing that that's real... Um, it changes everything in your reality. And it was from those sightings that I began doing you know, more investigation into UFOs and other metaphysical subjects, and ultimately that led me to the idea of what channeling was all about. And, and ultimately, without me necessarily intentionally uh, choosing, uh, at least not consciously choosing to be a channel, it, it led to the beginning of my channeling. So certainly it, it, it was purposeful 
for you and on Bashar's part. Um, yes. I think sometimes people, you know, you just have this hot desire, man, I'd love to see one of those, but you don't know why and what purpose that would serve in your life. And it was quite specific in your case. And uh, yes. like you say, blatant, you know, right right up that close, like you could just almost reach out and touch it. Um, yes, and of course I found that, out That later. sort of blatant thing. Yeah. Shown to me on purpose to get me to start doing the research I needed to do so that by the time it came time for me to do the channeling, which I had agreed to do before this life, which I didn't remember, um, I would have the uh, the wherewithal and the knowledge uh, to begin. So, yes, it was, it was a very purposeful part of the whole agenda of helping me to get to the point I needed to get to to be able to actually do the channeling with Bashar, which, uh, of course, that was, you know, as far as I understand, that was his ship. Um, so he sort of started the ball rolling with that very, very blatant presentation. So I have a um, question that I'm, you know, I, I try to ask all the channels that we bring on the show um, whenever we have a channel on the show. It's, mm -hmm. I think, a really important element of what everyday connection means. Now, you've been channeling Bashar for a very long time. That's and, um, yeah. Um, what I would really like to know, and I think speaking of this film has given us some insight into how it has affected and changed your life, but I'd really like to hear from you um, on a more, more personal note how the lessons that you've learned in working closely with Bashar have, have affected your perception of reality and how they've changed your ability to accomplish that which in you know previous years you might not have thought were possible well i think the simplest way to answer that the most profound i think change that's happened for me in in doing the channeling and being exposed to bashar's point of view is i get to when i'm channeling i get to feel what they feel what bashar and his people feel and it's such a profoundly different state than the way we normally operate on Earth. When I'm channeling, even though I don't hear the words, I can feel the energy coming through. I can feel what they're perceiving. And I can understand the general concepts sinking into me. And when I'm channeling, I feel that they don't feel one shadow of a doubt about anything. They are so full of conviction about what it is that they know to be true that I can feel that state too when I'm in the channeling state. And so that has rubbed off on me over the years and given me a much, much more profound understanding of the nature of reality and how it's structured. And it's allowed me to stop trying to make things happen because I realize that the truth is, is all we really need to do is be who we truly are and just allow the things to happen that are representative and reflective of our particular frequency. And when we stop trying to make things happen and just allow them to happen, life becomes so much more synchronistic and so much more ecstatic uh, and so much more representative of the kind of passion and excitement that Bashar talks about all the time that you really begin to realize that uh, life can be truly one grand adventure. And I think that's the most profound uh, Thing I've experienced uh, in doing the channeling with Bashar. That's really that's really interesting because um, 
I notice in my personal progression uh, as certain things, uh, either through getting familiar with them in the in the channeling state, so to speak, or um, or just getting used to, you know, sort of start out saying, okay, this is true. Yeah, that makes sense. This is good. But it's when you get that visceral, it's just there. It's just, you don't have to think about it anymore, that it really, life begins to morph almost. Right. Uh, and I think, yeah, and I think the one thing that's also, I think, important for everyone to sort of get a handle on and, and what we were talking about with regard to the idea of the films and the channeling being sort of two parallel tracks, in many ways they're actually very intertwined because channeling really, from my understanding, is a natural state that we all have the ability to do and that from time to time we all do experience because anytime you're doing anything you love to do, anytime you're acting on your passion, when you're focused on something and there's no sense of the passage of time, when an actor becomes the character, when a singer is lost in the song, that's a channeling state. So it just depends on what we want to do with that state that determines you know, what direction we can take it in and what other levels of our own consciousness and other dimensions of consciousness or other beings of consciousness we can connect to in that state. But everyone has the natural ability. It's a natural altered state, and it's not really something that's foreign to anyone. It's just a matter of knowing you can do it and choosing to be in that state. I'm going to use a word I don't often use because I reserve it for moments of deep respect. Namaste, brother. Um, I've been saying that for so long, and it's so important for people to understand. I mean, you know what? If you're a mechanic and you get into the zone and you're fixing a car and you just, you know, you automatically know what to do and your hands are going, to me that's a, a, a way of channeling your higher self. Um, Absolutely. It, it, I wish people would just accept that it's it's natural. There's nothing magical or mystical about it. It's part of your being. It's part of who you it are. It is. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's the most profound message that I think that has come through and has come through most channels that I know is, is look, this is you do this all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I almost look at it like it's just some, uh, a co- ongoing conversation that's kind of just below, it's, it's not quite in your noticing, not quite in your consciousness, and you just you just sort of bring that to the surface. And um, um, so, it's not just limited and is intertwined. It's, um, um, but I, but I have great appreciation for the way that you've not like tried to play one off the other. Uh, no, it's, it's all connected. It's all interconnected. And I think it, it's really representative of that state that best expresses our, our being as a whole person. It's the, it's the balanced relationship between the physical mind and the higher mind expressing itself as a total being. And when you're in that state, you have access to more, more information, more awareness, more perspective, and you just function from a more balanced, uh, higher vibrational state. And I just think that's actually closer to our natural state. Uh, and that's really what it's all about, is being who we truly are, um, instead of holding ourselves back. Hmm. Wow, what do you have one yeah. there? <laughs> that was my... Those awe moments, you know. Just, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, uh, my, 
I'm just going to breathe that in for a minute and just just allow that to uh, percolate and just sit in people's heart space for a moment so that they can appreciate um, just how um, how easy it is to attain that everyday connection. And and and, and that it just can hopscotch you around things. It it. Uh, um, it yeah, gets like where oh, hopscotching, yeah, feels like yeah, that. Hopscotching. Um, uh, uh, I mean, you notice that they're there. It's. Uh, I know Bashar talks about beliefs and and a lot because, of course, beliefs are foundational to what you experience. Mm-hmm. And um, but it, it amazes me how it seemed like a challenge and task and chore at first to find. Well, what's the belief that makes me feel like that? <laughs> and. And then it just becomes, they just pop up. They just pop right, right. up in front of your face and after a while And if you're walking. Now, if you're sitting in the corner trying to wait for enlightenment, they're really kind of hard to find. But Yeah, you yeah it, requires, it, it requires taking action. Uh, it requires a willingness to open up to those things. Um, and I, that's why I think it's, it's sort of an all-encompassing kind of activity because when you do act on your passion... Um, it functions kind of as the driving engine, as Bashar says, and the organizing principle of your life. And it brings you the things you need to know about yourself, uh, the things you need to discover within you that may be out of alignment with that excitement so that you can tell there's a difference and you can deal with that and you can integrate that knowledge within yourself. And when you do that, it becomes exciting to find those challenges because all it does when you integrate those beliefs and transform them is it only adds more excitement to your life and it expands you in, in a variety of ways. So eventually those challenges become not only very exciting, but they become desired. <laughs> they become something you want to discover because you'll, you now know that the only thing that's going to happen when those challenges come up is that you're going to grow into more of yourself and you're going to experience even more ecstasy in your life. So, yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Beautifully said. It's definitely that. What next? What next? What's that? Or even that? What now? <laughs> yeah, well, what, now? what are we doing now? What, what now? are we doing now? What are we doing now? Exactly. But as you Start shift your own, your perspective, it just seems that you know an old belief will pop up, and you just look at it, and it just doesn't even make any sense. And you just no. go, "Well, that's silly." And poof, it covers. exactly. It's just exactly. Uh, Once you identify, I mean, this is one of the things actually Bashar has talked about very, very strongly is. Once you actually identify, consciously identify a belief that is out of alignment with your true self, you'll recognize that it actually doesn't belong to you. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. It's illogical. And because it's illogical, you let it go. And that's what the power is of identifying the belief because the only reason it has, in a sense, any effect on you is because you're not even aware that it's there. But once you know it's there and you see that it doesn't fit, then it's easy to let something like that go because you realize it probably came from your parents or your friends or society or it belongs to someone else. And I think one of the one of the funniest uh, ways that Bashar has sort of framed that is that once you realize you have a belief that belonged to someone else and it isn't yours, well, you don't want to hang on to it because if you do, then that makes you a belief thief. It's like you're stealing other people's beliefs and you don't want to do that because uh, it's not nice to steal. So you give them back, let them go. You know, they don't belong to you. Move on with the beliefs that do belong to you. And uh, you won't be so weighed down by the extra baggage of things that aren't yours. Right. Uh, Again, one of my favorite ones, enlightenment is as much about lightening up as anything else. It just, you know, um, 
and uh, you know it's a I try to you know kind of sift through because there's a lot of exciting topics that Bashar gets asked about and I they're exciting to me and I love hearing the you know some talk about Atlantis or what's going on and what happened over there but uh, particularly when he's talking you know presenting his message before questions and answers it's it's pretty focused on just a few simple things, um, right? And um, uh, and that it's really not necessary to be, you know, like I said, I was a Star Trek nut, and I'm convinced that there are quite a few civilizations around, and that the reason we don't get radio messages is because they quit using radio a long time ago, or maybe never used it. Right. But uh, but it doesn't really matter if you think any of that's even possible. There's some just real concrete, you know, and to me, you know, like you said, the beliefs and the it's not yours, drop it, and the and the take action. The mm-hmm. um so many quote spiritual disciplines are sort of seem like you sit in the corner and do all of that first before you go out in the world and do anything. And and I think we're missing a lot of wonderful creative stuff from people if they would just, when you feel that this is where I need to go, get up and start going. And yeah, to me, that's, I mean, the, a, that's the act yeah. of faith is to take that one step when you don't know where it's going to go and then just let it let yourself go where it goes. Right, and I think in the, in the phrase itself, act of faith is the, is the key word, and that means there is an action involved in expressing what it is you truly believe rather than just thinking about it. So it doesn't really matter exactly what process, or as Bashar calls them, uh, permission slips, that people use to to get into that proper state. But eventually, people do need to sort of express that state through physical action, because we have chosen to be physical beings. And expressing that energy through physical action grounds it in physical reality and allows the effect of that energy to radiate out in the physical world. And thus, uh, it's then available uh, for other people to also participate in and pick up on that energy and uh, make similar choices if they wish to, because we can act by example. We, we thus then function as examples for how other people can also make the kinds of choices that, that are representative of, of acting on their dreams. But action is one of the keys. Yeah, it's almost like we can personally become a permission slip for others. They can Absolutely. see us do it, and they go, "Well, it must be okay." <laughs> Absolutely, uh, because we all, at 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 some point and at some at some level, sort of crave that belonging, mm-hmm. and 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 try that misguided. Okay, this is what everybody's doing, so I'm going to do it, it, as opposed to belong finding that belonging inside yourself where it doesn't ever go away again. <laughs> right, right. So it just takes jumping in the water and swimming, you know. Like, come on in, the water's fine. Absolutely. And um, uh, we had a comment from our dear friend Kevin in the chat room. He said, but I've always said I think too damn much. And I said, me too. That's why I always bring this subject up. (laughs) I need it as much as anybody. Um, uh, I think we all, you know, there is some truth into the, you you often teach things you need to learn. Uh, Sure. I learn as much for myself out of this adventure uh, as I think I've ever. If I could impart 10% of that to anybody, I would thank myself less because we're a bit selfish. We like talking to 
cool people and hearing about what they're doing. Uh, our, our, our film idea is all about that. It's about people that are actually doing something. Right. Uh, yeah, but everyone, direction. everyone is a teacher and everyone is a student, you know. You never stop right. teaching, you never stop learning. I think the, the best part about the show is that we get to learn every time we come on the radio. Every right. single time we come on the radio, uh, we learn from our guests in the chat room, we learn from our guests who call in, we learn from our guests that we have on the show talking. Um, I don't think I've ever done a show where I haven't learned something right. that, you know, takes me to the next to the next level. And it, it's fun. It's it's a fun exploration of I'd like to say the world, but it's really an exploration of self. Because yeah, you know, part of the growth experience is recognizing that everybody that we bring onto the show is is really that it it always, always who it doesn't matter how far in advance we schedule somebody, they always happen to be scheduled for the right day. Mm-hmm. For whatever's going on, right in that moment, that wonderful know? synchronicity again. Yeah, I mean, it's been a blast just to be able to live that in in doing the show, not just talk about it, not just write about it as an author, not just teach about it, but to actually live it and experience Absolutely. it and share that with other people. That's the fun. That's the yummy. That's the cool. And you know. It, Again, that's that everyday connection that we keep talking about, that sense of blended beingness where you're you're constantly in communication with your higher being simply because you know that your higher being is always there. It's always talking to you, and all you have to do is be willing to listen. Um, and that comes right. through your imagination and inspiration in a variety of ways. Yeah, those aha moments is the example I love to give people. Everybody's had one where you go, ah, I get it. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's a lot like great, that. Great moments. And um, so I really appreciate you uh, going there with us and, 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 and talking about it because we do love to hear hear the, the channel side on Everyday Connection of, you know, how does this work for you? Is this – because it is. It's a, it's a growth process that, you know, and, and, and how – you know whether you, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be challenging, it's going to be painful. That's all up to you. You get to decide. It, it doesn't Absolutely. have to be. Uh, no, it's what like you, said, what you define. How you define it is how you experience it. So, you know, if you approach it with fear, you're going to have some uh, pretty rough challenges. If you approach it with uh, love and and joy, it's going to be uh, much more exciting. Absolutely, I'm I wrestled with it mine for years. Uh, I, back in the mid '80s, I picked up uh, uh, some Seth books, and then I came across uh, opening the Channel, uh, uh-huh. incredible book, and um, yeah, wonderful. Uh, I think still one of the best books on you know. There's, there's only so much that can be said about teaching somebody to channel. You can't teach somebody to channel because we all do that all the time. It's just sort of giving you permission and maybe some tools to. Right. Consciously get in touch with that. But uh right. so I sort of kind of did some exercises and ah, it happened. And it scared the living daylights out of me. It was like, holy they're talking I'm going crazy. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> and I carried that fearful reaction, that knee jerk reaction forward for years and sort of hid from myself. And uh so 
it's always one of the things that I like to make a point to people is if you, you know, people say, boy, I wish I could channel. And I say, why? What do you want to do? You know, and they go, well, it just seems cool. Okay, it is. Very cool. Well, you know, as we said, everyone does channel in different ways if they want really yeah. to get into that state. So, I think you uh, reminded me of you reminded me of something that uh, Bashar said once, um, where he said, "You know, the, one of the greatest shocks that we're going to discover is that what we've always been, you know, taught is a fairy tale is actually the way life is." And uh, it's when you make those you know, discoveries and you realize that these kinds of things you never thought were possible actually are possible and maybe even highly probable and you kind of shock yourself into the uh, into waking up into a new reality, you know. Oh, yeah, it scared the hell out of me when I started doing it. I didn't... <laughs> my pen just went off. Yeah. What is going on? Why is my handwriting different? I don't understand. I was one of the few who had no idea what channeling was. I didn't, I'd never explored right. channeling. I'd never been exposed to it. I didn't, I was brought up in a Christian background, so I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and, and until they explained to me what I was doing and, and uh, you know, through my writing of my second book and I was like, oh, Wow. And then I started, that's, you know, it was after that, that I met Rick and I found, um, I found you, um, and your work. And then I was exposed to some other work, Abraham Hicks. I saw that and went completely bonkers. So I was like, Oh, that's them. I know them. Um, I've been talking to them with my pen. And, uh, it, it was for somebody who'd never been exposed to it. It was like, wow, what just, uh, I can't, and the the things that I was learning through my pen, I you know, not acceptable. I I right. was arguing with my book because I was like, no, I can't write that. I can't even think that, let alone, you want me to write that and then publish it and put it out into the public? You no want me to way. tell somebody? You want me to tell somebody? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> it, let was, me, um, it was a truly... Yeah. Let me ask you a question in terms of our timing here, because I think... Um, if I need to call in, I may need to call you back on another phone because this one's about to give up the ghost, ah. battery-wise. Oh, okay. okay. Um, well, we can play a song. Yeah, it's about time for us to take a break, and then okay. uh, uh, we were going to take a few questions uh, if uh, if you've got time to uh, stay with us. Oh, I definitely have time. I just need to call you on another phone. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, so well, we're going right to... Great, Thanks. Daryl Anka, ladies and gentlemen. I never say it that way. What am I doing? Sound like a radio guy. You sound like a radio guy. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, do I not don't know. lie to the listeners. The radio guy goes off. He's not a radio guy. Um, we're going to listen to a song, uh, though, I bet. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm thinking maybe uh, some Wanderlust. David. This would be David Swarup, ladies and gentlemen, playing an instrument that looks like a UFO uh, called the Hang. And we'll be back in uh, just a couple of minutes. Stay with us.
remember which one he is. <laughs> I don't want to turn on the soulmate and dead relative lady and say, Hi, Daryl. <laughs> yeah, that would be wrong. Um, I think my... Huh? My sweet demon fixed my uh, mister. Oh, cool. Mm. It's only been out of commission for like three weeks. No, longer. Month? Two? I don't know. When did I move in? We broke it on moving day. Wow. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. So I'm going to have to call Kevin. Do we have a number for Kevin? Huh? Yeah. Oh, they can hear us. <laughs> that was funny. That's never happened before. That's that, that was, was kind of cool. Funny. That, that was kind of cool. cool. So Kevin, yes, I said your name. I'm, I want to give you a call. We'll talk about that ego thing because that'd be fun. And for those who want to know what's out of commission is my Mister, but my demon boyfriend fixed it, so it's all good. Absolutely. I think you know water mist. She made it. Yes, so. it creates mist with and a water mister, glowing not, not light. Mister Mister. Mister Mister fixed her Mister. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back. And um, uh, we're going to take a couple of questions if anybody would like to ask something. Um, as we uh, generally do, we would you know, ask that the soulmate, dead relative job questions uh, be held for another time. Uh, if you must, I don't know. <laughs> the, the channels in the chat room are laughing now. All right, so we have a young lady I talked to right before the show uh, that uh, called in and said she had a question. Uh, Area code 814, you had a question for Daryl? Yes, I do, please. Um, Hello, everybody. My name is Azriel. Hello. I'm joined. Hello. Daryl, I'm so tickled to speak with you. I'm very honored. And um, I was doing a chair exercise, and this gentleman, Simon, came through. Um, I and I just want to say that, but I ordered your crystal online, and I ordered some of your CDs and DVD. Uh-huh. And I was wondering, with the crystal, is there a certain meditation or what you feel like doing? You're talking about the contact crystal. Yes. Yeah, there actually, I believe, is a meditation that Bashar did that comes with it. And when okay. you listen to that meditation while you're holding the crystal, you're charging that crystal with a specific vibration that is the frequency that's it's like casting a vote for contact, for open contact. So that actually comes with the appropriate meditation for that. Oh, how wonderful. But uh, very quickly, 
Um, when you spoke about the chair exercise, if for someone to come through like the first time would be rare, and I understand that. And this, very quickly, if I, by getting to the other side of the chair, the answer would come to me before I could say it. Is that from That's me fine. or is that from, oh, okay. Well, it doesn't really much matter. The point is is that the exercises are designed to allow you to tap into whatever frequency you need to tap into to get the information you need. And you're always having help from guides and what have you, but the whole point of guides and channeling is that you're also strengthening your ability to access that information yourself anyway. So it doesn't really matter exactly how it comes to you. The whole point is that a variety of exercises and permission slips are allowing you to determine on some level what way works best for you just to get the information. Okay. I just wanted to thank you that through your channeling, I'm a better person, and I thank you for all the work that you have done. Well, it's my pleasure, and thank you. Thank you, Daryl. Good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, we do have a, two other callers on the line, and, of course, you're welcome to, to, to be on the line just to listen. If you do have a question, uh, you press number one on your keypad, um, and that will show me that you've raised your hand and have a question. Um, and um, uh, for the folks in the chat room, if you have any questions, uh, any further questions for uh, Daryl, just type them in, and we'll uh, we'll put them across. I had perhaps an odd question. Can I ask my odd question, Jane? Aunt Jane? Yes, you can, you can ask. I don't care what you do. <laughs> That's why I love working with you. Um, I'm really curious with some physical things that are going on with me lately. Um, I know that, uh, that Bashar has rarely, uh, I've only seen twice that Bashar has recommended anything specific to people. Um, and, and I'm curious about this uh, uh, herbal cleansing, uh, body cleansing thing that um, that he's talked about. Um, I've always felt that you know perhaps that is a good idea, but that perhaps it's something that you know ought to be done in the right way. Uh, kind of goofy of science geek that way. Uh, I was wondering if you've had any feedback from folks or uh, on how that worked for them. Uh, I've had great feedback from folks, and in fact, um, one person in particular. <clears throat> had actually completely blown their knee out in a skiing accident and uh, was a prime candidate for surgery, which they didn't, you know, really prefer to do. Um, And uh, Bashar recommended the detoxification uh, program. And uh, within a month, uh, he had completely healed himself, which the doctors told him was impossible. So I think the idea behind why Bashar will sometimes recommend certain things specifically on only rare occasions, is that he knows that he gets a lot of the same kinds of health questions, and so he basically guided me to do some research to find out what would be some of the more effective things that already exist here on Earth so people didn't have to constantly reinvent the wheel. And so when we found certain things that were very effective, he was willing to uh, allow those particular programs to be recommended to people because he knew it would it would simply shorten the amount of time that, that it would take for them to find something that would work for them according to the belief systems that they had at that point. Right, right. Um, yeah, because I know his 
would probably first advice in almost any case is to follow your heart, follow your inner guidance. But uh, I know it's, you know, uh, tough from certain places to even get a whiff of that. <laughs> uh right. has been for me. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, I had seen a, uh, a video from a doctor that has done, uh, I don't know that she detoxed any, but she went on a very, um, what she called it, the paleo diet or the hunter-gatherer diet based on what the earth provides, the way it provides it. And, and it reminded me of uh, Bashar's advice on that, you know, like, you know, people asking about diet and, or anything. Um, right. Well, even though there are many about, beliefs. Yeah, because even though there are many belief systems on Earth, there are some things that are sort of generally true for us because we've agreed that they're generally true. In other words, as you know, for a simple example, most of us agree that there's gravity, so we're not going to go floating off the planet. Um, and so he knows that there are certain kinds of, of permission slips that can work for a lot of people in general because it's keying into such a fundamental consensus belief that it will help get things going and make it a little easier for people to to then get in touch with whatever those beliefs are inside them that can take it the rest of the way. Right, right. Yeah, because that's that's important to point out to folks that whether it's you know cleansing or diet or whatever it is, at the core they're all permission slips because right. uh, eternal unlimited beings don't blow out their knee. Don't have meals. So, you know, it's, it'll create challenges <laughs> for themselves to teach themselves certain things. Oh, absolutely. And uh, but in, in in a certain way, you know, even to a science geek's mind, it just makes sense to me. You know that that if there is, as I believe, you know, intelligence behind the way the place is put together, that the food mm-hmm. you need to survive optimally would be here. Without right, you having exactly. to figure out and make it and create it, it would just be here that that would be, you know, on the most basic 3D hologram movie set, that would be the first thing you would do. It's called right. catering. Right. You know? right, exactly. Um, but in many cases, I've heard him talk about, you know, whether it was a psychedelic or a something like that, that, you know, he said, listen, the indigenous people used what was there, the way it was there, the way it was presented. Um, and... Uh, and it was fun. Well, and that it was perhaps useful, but was not something that they obsessed with and did all the time. I don't want to. I don't want to even suggest that on the air. Um, but so that, a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it is about understanding that once something opens your eyes to the fact that there is a certain state that is achievable, the idea that is it has shown you that you are capable of achieving that state. It's not about relying on the thing that got you there. It's about knowing that you can tame that and can get yourself there from that point forward. Absolutely. And um uh, but that even in those cases and in the cases of food and diet he you know talks about it's nice to get it as close to the way Earth provides it as possible. Yes of course. Uh, and uh um, what it's doing. Uh that's one of our it's kind of one of our focuses in our film I guess, isn't it Jane? It is. Are we going to talk about that now? <laughs> if, if Carol will permit us just a moment or two of um, indulgence, because I'd love to hear what he thinks about the idea. Yeah, um, absolutely. And we did just we did just launch it, and we did just um, announce it on on our Tuesday show. So um, we're, we got to keep promoting it because we got a lot of people working on this thing. Um, crazy thought. 
there's a lot of things that maybe some people think that need to be fixed in our world, especially with regards to the environment. So we thought rather than focus on some um, some problems, we would go on the hunt for a collection of solutions. So what we've done is and put been together plenty of focus on problems lately. Yeah, Not we were done with the problem thing. So what we've done is we put together a small film team, um, and we are in the process of the groundwork to make a documentary on eco-sustainable living. Now, the people that we are featuring in the film, it will be a collection of short vignettes uh, with um, participants from around the world. And we are talking about very simple eco-sustainable solutions like this little genius in the Philippines who makes lights out of water bottles with water and um, bleach. And um, there's the Barefoot College in India that we've contacted, and he's teaching grandmothers in local villages to make solar panels. He's teaching them to be solar engineers so that they can provide solar power for their own villages without without needing to rely on um, big corporations in order to be able to do that or, or other. Yeah, instead of making some technology drop where you come in and make them this beautiful computer-controlled hoo-ha, that six months later gets a glitch or a or, or something and nobody can do anything about it. Um, right. And uh, uh, so that's one of our sort of premises or uh, you know qualifications on our list was that it has to be easily duplicatable by the people on the ground. Whether yeah, that's we'll see. When- yeah, I think that's brilliant. You know, I mean, it, it, this falls directly in line with a lot of things that. Bashar has said, because he said it's not really about trying to change the things that exist. The old systems are going to crumble anyway because they no longer work. It's about creating new systems to replace them when they do crumble. So I think that, you know, what you're doing with your project is exactly in line with that idea and opening people's eyes to the idea of how to look at things in a different way and create new systems to replace the old ones that simply don't work for us anymore. Right, and a lot of the a lot of the individuals and organizations that we've spoken to have already got on their independent websites um, open source materials for people so that they can actually do this stuff themselves. We're not looking for the guy who makes the um, you know the windmill and brings it to your place and installs it for you. We're looking for the guy who will teach you how to build a sandbag house so that you can build your own sandbag house. Um, and we have found some incredible people from around the world that have agreed to jump on board with this project. So. Um, for anybody that's listening tonight and wants to be involved with us, please, by all means, contact us at www.everydayconnection.me. Uh, we would love to hear your ideas, your insights, uh, any individual talent, skill that you feel that you can throw towards this project. You know, we're, it's an open-hearted, open-minded project. We love the energy around it. We love the energy of the people who have already been involved, and we'd love to hear from you, our listeners, on your ideas, your thoughts, and Absolutely. The, the whole idea behind, you know, the solutions that we're going to highlight and then a website that we're going to build um, as part of the project and leave as an ongoing thing afterwards is a, a place where even if it links out to these people's websites where they've got these plans, but sort of a... a an what open source that, information center. Yeah, what did that lady call it? Instead of R and D, it's R and D I Y. Yeah. Research yeah. and develop it yourself. Yeah. Um, because the, most of these people are already doing this, so we'll link out to the, to where it's already happening. But 
there are people around the world are building things off these plans and saying, hey, i got a problem with this, and then somebody says, hey, I've got the solution. So the movie itself is also a big, I call it a big family project. Maybe a big community <laughs> project would be better uh, because uh, everybody's idea, I'll tell you right now, everybody's idea is just as valuable as everybody else's. It's uh, it's this is a big jigsaw puzzle, and we all are pieces, and there's a reason that we're all unique. If we weren't, the puzzle wouldn't go together. So if you really want to see that beautiful big picture, you got to do your thing. Um, yeah, not uh, our thing, your thing. Yeah, and, and right. you know, I I uh, I think Bashar would say much the along the same lines that you know he very often has said exactly the same thing. Yeah, that exact that analogy not, as a puzzle. We are not here to wait for somebody to come fix it. We're we're not here, in my opinion, again, all of this, but uh, we're not here to wake up one morning and it's been magically transformed. <laughs> um, and we are here to be the magical transformers. That's right. That's exactly it. We're like, the transformation team. And we get to transform it the way we see it. And, um, you know, even if your idea is about something that you think is stupid, ridiculous, impossible, just drop all of that. That's somebody else's idea, I guarantee you. Especially impossible. (laughs) Yeah. Especially impossible. If you think it's impossible, we want to hear about it. (laughs) It it just pull the word apart like Bashar is so fond of doing with words and say, I'm possible. Instead of impossible, it just doesn't do. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen. Yes. Right. Um, and we have, um, on that note, um, we've had a ton of people who ducked out temporarily at one point um, just to reload. And and everybody would like to know, um, since we're talking about our movie, they'd also like to know because we're getting close to wrap up time, where they can find your movie, and um, the, we want they wanted a couple of questions about the release date again, because a couple of people missed that. And um, and I am putting well, links up for folks in the chat room, but uh, for all of our listeners that don't have access, uh, where can we find Zia Films? There is no release date yet. My, my production company is Zia Films. That's Z as in zebra, I-A, films, F-I-L-M-S. And the website is ziafilms.com. They can see what we're doing there and with regard to Bashar information, uh, Bashar Communications website, where there are dozens and dozens of CDs of all the different seminars and things that Bashar has done is www.bashar.org. That's B-A-S-H-A-R.org, and they can find out everything that they need to find out about what Bashar is doing and how this whole thing started for me uh, on that site as well. If they want more information, please visit those websites. Absolutely. We put those links up in the chat room. We will, of course, have an archive of the show uh, on our website, and there will be links. Uh, all these links will be there for you to reference in the future, and we'll probably embed the uh, a link to the trailer that's on YouTube because it's a uh, it's just awesome great. Trailer. It's great. You know, it's, you Thank do you. know you're dead, right? Uh, <laughs> my dear fellow, I'm dead, not stupid. Just one of I, one of most people's favorite characters in the movie is this ghost that's haunting his old house. Yes, yeah, it's just really, really a, a brilliant 
uh, a brilliant idea, a brilliant premise, uh, and just right in line with with that whole metaphysical side of sort of change your perspective and look at it just a little differently. What if we could just sort of go and chat? Because maybe we can, I don't know. But uh, we're very excited about it, folks. Uh, Go over there again to ziafilms.com and see all of the things that uh, that are going on over there. And uh, uh, we're... We'll keep everybody updated on our website when we hear something about release dates and stuff too, because it's going to be a great, uh, going to be a great thing. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, well, um, is there any last-minute questions, guys, in the chat room or online? Because we've got about ten minutes left, and all the important information is out there for you. I see. I see. Uh, well, I see our dear friend Stacy has Skyped in. Uh, I think you can use the keypad on Skype to raise your hand, Stacy, or should I just put you on the spot? Should I put her on the spot? What do you want to do? Oh, put her on the spot for sure. Spot. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> Hi, Stacy. She's laughing Hi, at us. Hi, my darling. How are you? What up, sister? <laughs> I was typing one, I did it in the chat thing. I did it on the other thing. I was typing like nuts. (laughs) But I'm glad you saw me. Anyway, I was, you know, you kind of blew my question because I wanted to ask about my grandmother. I have a recipe that I want to make for uh, the holidays, and it's missing an ingredient. (laughs) She's not here anymore. So I was like, well, you kind of blew that for me. I want to talk to my dead grandma. Kidding, kidding. But what I really want to say is just, how proud I am, and thank you so much for, Daryl, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, the three of you, for putting um, yourselves out there. I appreciate you more than than I could ever say. Um, And just thank you. No questions, just a huge thank you. Aw, thanks. That's That's it, guys. I love you. I love all three of you. Thank you. Thanks. Ah, Stacy. Oh, Stacy. George says you're a channel woman. Get your own recipe ingredients. The reason she was asking (laughs) that thing, folks, is she's a channel and she's laughing at my talking about the soulmate and dead relative questions because she's gotten lots of them. And she's channels these group that call themselves the professors and they're not. They're a little rough when you ask them silly things. <laughs> Bashar can be... He, he, Bashar he can polite. be blunt. He can be blunt, but, but I love his... He, he's skillful at sort of being blunt without being offensive. Yes. It's just, look, no, it's like this. It, it, but there's no... I've never felt any judgment out of Bashar. No, um, he doesn't judge. And I think people can sense that even when he's being very direct and very blunt, he has their best interests at heart, and all he's attempting to do is get them to understand what magnificent beings we all are. And that's really at the core of it. So I think they know that that comes from his heart, and he's just giving them the information he believes will help them the best in the straightest possible way without beating around the bush. Yeah. So I have a question, one one question before we go. Um, sure. Does Bashar 
um, realize really how funny he is? <laughs> I, I don't I'm know. Just, I'm just curious. I don't know. Cause <laughs> he'll just cause he'll just use whatever he'll just use whatever approach it takes to get the point across, and sometimes that requires humor, and he is absolutely willing to use humor. <laughs> so and, I don't and know. Skillful with it. <laughs> skillful with it too. Uh, it's wonderful, uh, and uh, it's. Uh, it's wonderful what you've done that you've, you know, taken your excitement and gone right down and, you know, because I, uh, I know that uh, channeling is far more accepted now and, and many more people would have looked at you as insane when you started. And uh, Well, uh, that's okay. Like Bashar says, there's, you know, there's a good kind of crazy and uh, I feel that it falls in that category. It's a good kind of crazy. Oh, I think it's the best guide. And uh, uh, you know. we still have a few minutes, um, Daryl. I'd like to offer you the floor um, to say whatever it is your little heart desires to say to our listeners tonight. Well, I just first of all just like to thank you both so very much for providing this this opportunity and this forum for people to discuss these kinds of ideas, because I think the more it gets out there, the more, like you said, acceptable it is, the more, quote-unquote, natural or normal it is to for people to realize that uh, we're all sort of feeling the same thing, but until we have a place where we can really discuss these things, a lot of times people are, are afraid to, to bring that bring that out into public, and, and I would like to just encourage people to know that, uh, as Bashar often says, don't be afraid of the unknown. The only thing you're ever going to find in the unknown is more of yourself, and to just go for it. So that would be that would be my words of encouragement as well. Good words. Fantastic words. All Thank right, you, folks. There you have it. Thank you so much for yeah. taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Uh, my pleasure. Absolutely, much much appreciation for your work, um, both the filming filmmaking aspect of it and the channeling element, which, by the way, saved my butt last year when I was very sick. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate have much appreciation for for all of who you who you be, yes. and all of well, what you do. Well, my pleasure, and thank you for allowing me to do it. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, as we've always always said, it's it takes all of us to make this thing go. So big thanks to everybody in the chat room, uh, everybody that's new. I hope you'll join us again sometime. We do this every Tuesday and Thursday, and uh, we have more special guests coming. Uh, December 29th, we have who, – who do we have December 29th, Jean? Oh, you're asking me? Mm-hmm. Keeper of the – I don't have a calendar. I'm the keeper of the calendar, but come on, come on, it's our next special episode. December uh, 29. People have heard, I think, about the, oh, the Thrive movie. About this Thrive movie. Thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't want me to keep track of this stuff. Or I, I can't um, keep track okay, of that. Yes, but we have, the gambles we have, are coming. We have the gambles coming. Um, and we're going to chat about their movie and get that out there and and let you guys ask your questions right straight to the horse's mouth, just like we did tonight. So come come join us again. It'll be up on the, on Blog Talk schedule by tomorrow. And um, on Tuesday night, which is the 13th, um, we have Nora Harold coming. Nora Harold? 
absolutely. Channels uh, play it ins and all of that, and probably will be channeling. So, yeah, you absolutely. Know, if, so, if you, you want to talk to the P's, if you want to talk to Ms. P uh, and Stacy, be sure and come back. We'll see if we can't get you Grandma's recipe. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, and uh, have a wonderful night. And uh, hope to see you Tuesday. We love you. Love y'all. Have a great night. Bye. Join Rick and Jean again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and be sure to like their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Worried you might miss an episode? Don't worry. Subscribe. Find us on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free just like your everyday connection. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.